You are tuning in to the Seed Chat with Tristan, a Christian community designed for the youth, by the youth. Join us in discussing the truths and debunking the myths. Let's grow closer to Christ together. Welcome, my brothers and sisters. You are listening to the Seed Chat with Tristan. It is your host, Tristan Guillaume. And I just want to start this off by saying thank you so much for your continued support. For you guys continue to tune in week in and week out. For you guys, just for your nice words. For It really means so much more to me than you guys understand. That you guys continue to take time out of your day to listen to this and, and hear what God wants to speak over into you. If you like this message, you think it can help benefit someone else, please don't forget to share and subscribe. And before we get started, I want to give us a quick update on what the next upcoming weeks are going to look like. So this episode, I'm going to talk about something called temple theology. And I know it sounds like a big word, but we'll get we'll break it apart. Don't worry, we'll get into it later. But this episode is really going to lay down the groundwork, the foundation for my next couple of episodes. I think we're going to do three or four weeks where I'm going to have a two, I'm going to have guest stars on, and we're going to talk about major issues and major conversations like sex, drugs, all of it. And I just want this to kind of be the groundwork. So please really tune in, really listen, really try to hear what God is speaking into you and what God wants you to kind of grapple with and understand. And without further ado, let's get into it. Temple theology is the understanding that a new temple created through Christ is within us, where one understands that the Holy Spirit, part of the triune God, dwells within him or her. And not that it comes and goes within us, but that we are a temple for it. And once we put our faith in Jesus, the Spirit dwells within us forever. And as such, we treat and take care of ourselves, since we are housing God in us. And I know for many of us, and even for myself for the longest time, this just sounds like a very good metaphor, like, you know, treat yourself well and, you know, respect yourself. And kind of like this whole fluff, really, to make me respect myself and respect others. But it's really so much more than that. In Ephesians 2, 21 to 22, it says, In him, the whole building is joined together, him being Jesus, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And for us to really understand the measure of what it means to be a temple, we need to go back to the Old Testament. All right, so picture this. You're an Israelite, you've just seen plagues, famines, you just crossed the Red Sea, and you just went from slavery to freedom. And your leader just went up to a mountain to talk to God for 40 days and 40 nights. And he comes back with a face that's glowing and all these really specific instructions on how to build a new tabernacle. When Moses comes down with these instructions given by God to build this tabernacle, this is the first time God is telling his people he wants to dwell within them and lead them through the desert. It's so important they really capture the importance of this tabernacle within and of itself. Because for the first time since Adam and Eve, God decides to dwell among his people again. He was no longer the distant God in heaven, but he was there living among them. However, he was still not approachable, except for once a year from the high priest. And over the next several chapters, and even a little bit into Leviticus, you get these exact instructions from God on how to take care of the temple ways to set it up, ways to move it when they were wandering in the desert, like how to wrap certain things and how to carry them and the formation they moved it in, the designs, the jewels, the gold, all the beautiful carvings, and the attire of the priest. And in this tabernacle, there's three areas. There was a courtyard, there was a holy place, and the holies of holies. So the courtyard was where all the sacrifices were done, the holy place where the priests did all the worship and the praising and all the priestly things. And the Holy of Holies is where God lived. 
the Holy Holies was separated by the holy place by like this huge, thick, beautifully hand-woven curtain that was actually believed to be eight to nine inches wide. All this was given to the Israelites to teach them that one God is a God of order. He brought them out of Egypt and he had to have plans. He had to have ideas and rules set in place so that they could be able to follow him. And he expected them to live up to this order and also have orders in their own life. It also shows the reverence of God. He was separated from them. He could not be associated with them physically because he was holy and they were sinful creatures. When the priest used to come in that one day, like I told you guys, he would wear bells around his waist, tie this rope around his ankle. And when he went in there to, to make atonement for the village and make atonement for himself, like the people didn't hear the bells ring. They're like, oh my goodness, like something happened. He's dead. God did not find favor in him. Something went terribly wrong. And all this was done to, again, to really illustrate how holy God is, how he was separated from man. And everything he taught us was how to approach God. Now we could begin to give offerings to God and you know, begin to give prayer requests to the priests and had a connection with God. And finally, it showed us the cost of sin. Many of us know that the wages of sin is death. These people, these Israelites, as they went on their daily lives, they were to steal, lie, you know, disrespect God or turn away from him anyway. They had to give up an animal, a lamb, whatever it was, to die for them. And this was like their livestock. This is how these people made a living. So they had to give this up in order to make a temporary substitution of atonement for their own sins. And in this holy place, there was something called a tabernacle. And a tabernacle means meeting place. And in this meeting place, it was supposed to be the place in which heaven and earth collided, coincided together. The place in which God ruled over all of creation. And what this really does is it points back to all of creation being God's temple. You see, when God created the whole earth in six days and on the seventh day rested, he wanted the place to be filled with his holiness and to really begin to have all of his glory without it. And the whole earth was supposed to be a temple for God. Actually, the first priests were Adam and Eve. They were given tasks to take care of the garden, make sure it was kept in a right state. They were given jobs as to name animals. This symbolism of Eden is all throughout the tabernacle that God gave Moses. The menorah representing the tree of life. The flowers representing the flowers in the garden. The gold representing the milk and honey that flowed throughout this garden. The Levites actually begin to take up this new priesthood duties, where all the males of one of the 12 tribes begin to work for the temple. Whether that was praying, doing sacrifices, worshiping, cleaning. It was their job to make sure that the temple was kept in God's presence. And this went on for years, right? For 40 plus years, they kept the same tradition. They were led out of a desert and they still kept this temple holy for God. And King David has this idea to make this permanent temple and where all the world can see God's glory and all the world can see how God's authority rules supreme. But God prevents David from doing it, and Solomon, David's son, actually ends up building this more permanent temple. And so if the first temple was 20 feet wide, this temple was 40 feet wide. If the first temple was 30 feet high, this temple was 60 feet high, and so forth. And it was really done, again, to become that place where God can dwell among his people and really dwell and rule over all of the world. However, like Adam and Eve, 
the rulers of a time wanted to rule on their own terms, and because such, became exiled, and God left the temple, and the temple fell. Now take yourself back to being one of these Israelites, where you're like, has God forsaken us? Will he return? Will he remember his covenant with us? And the prophets of the day actually begin to foreshadow a day in which God would create a new temple and dwell within creation again, with a new priesthood, where God's presence would fill all of the land. And actually, between the exile and Jesus' ministry, there was a third temple that was built. But this temple was later told by future prophets to be hopelessly corrupt, and God did not dwell amongst people here, and God did not have favor over this temple. And then there comes Jesus. And Jesus does all these miracles, all these amazing things that we thank him for and we praise him for all the time. But Jesus didn't just bring a new way of religion. Jesus talked about creating a new temple, creating a new order through faith in his death and resurrection. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus takes his disciples to this place called Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi was not a good place. It was not a place you wanted to be seen at, known at. Actually, if you were, you'd probably be kicked out from your society, kicked out from your group, you know, disowned, all the horrible stuff, right? To be in this village, to give you guys some sort of context, you had to undergo sexual sin among a group. And I'll let you guys, I'll let you guys finish that. But Jesus brings these people here, his disciples, who many theologians believe are teenagers, young adults, just like ourselves. As they look at this place, Jesus brings them to the rock in which this whole village was set upon. And this is a rock cliff. And at the bottom of the rock cliff was this hole. And if you went into the hole, it was so dark and so deep that people believed it was the gates of Hades. And Jesus right there asked him the most important question that we all end up asking within our lives, and is, who do you say I am? Peter answers this right and says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, yes, you are correct. And he tells him, here, on this rock, I will build my church. And the disciples are going crazy, like, you cannot do this. This is not the place, you know, to start our, the revolution they thought was going to happen. Like, this is not the place. But Jesus was saying, here, in this gathering, I'm going to create new temples in which God's glory will spread to the ends of the earth. You guys are going to be that temple that's going to spread to the ends of the earth. In Matthew 17, 23, Jesus actually foreshadows his death again. He says, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day, he will be raised to life. What Jesus is saying here is as he's offered to men to be crucified, he becomes the final and perfect sacrifice for us. No longer was there need of lambs and goats to make temporary substitution. Jesus was the fulfillment of all of it. Through his death, our sins were atoned for. And we were made holy and anew within him. And therefore, becoming holy enough to receive the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus says in John 7, 38, Whoever believes in me, as scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So this reference is actually probably closer to Zechariah or Psalms, but it's actually also an allusion to Eden, where the whole garden was entrapped by these rivers flowing through them. And Jesus is saying, in my death, when I die and I take your sins with me, 
You are going to be restored to that connection with God where you're walking with God. You're moving with him. You are restored through him. You can connect to him. You can converse with him. And you guys are going to be closer than ever. He's no longer going to be distant. And he's no longer going to be unapproachable. And we actually see this as Jesus breathes his last breath. The veil, that eight-inch veil I told you guys about, rips from top to bottom. And that might seem like a minor detail to you, but it actually is so significant. Because from ripping the top to bottom illustrates that God did it himself. Because it feels from the bottom, the people could like make a little tear, like casually rip it up and up and up until the whole thing fell. But from top to bottom, God was saying, I am approachable. There is nothing separating me from you. My son, your savior has paid it all. You are now able to communicate if you give your faith and believe in him. God became approachable. In Acts, Jesus comes and talks to us. I was like, you guys are going to receive the Holy Spirit. You guys are going to receive this strong power within you. And in doing so, they became the new tabernacles where they were clean enough to receive him. And now they were becoming the meeting place between heaven and earth and spreading all of heaven throughout the earth. There's another allusion here to Jacob's dream in Genesis 28 of the ladder. Jacob has this dream where he sees this giant ladder ascending into heaven and angels ascending and descending all throughout. And this was a foreshadow to Jesus' death. And Jesus is dying and becoming resurrected. He connected us to heaven. We are restored to what was broken. And we are now a connection. As Jesus ascends into heaven, more ladders come down on us, his disciples. And the Holy Spirit begins to dwell within us. And you can actually see, like, symbolism and like metaphors and allusions, all of it to the temple throughout the whole entire Bible. You see it very clearly in the New Testament, but it's all throughout the Bible. And what God is trying to reinstate is you guys are more than what you guys understand. I am with you and I have given you my power to walk among this life. First Corinthians six nineteen to 20, it says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were brought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And I'm going to close it off right here. What Paul is telling us is that we are now the new Levites. We are now the new priest in Jesus' amazing order and reign. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit and has made us pure enough to receive it. And in doing so, we have to take care of a temple in which God has given us. To stray away from sin. To do what is pleasing to God. To clean, to maintain the order in it. I really feel that God put this message on my heart so strongly. To really help us understand that we are that place in which heaven and earth collide. In which heaven and earth are connected through the Holy Spirit and through Jesus' sacrifice. Right there, we have to uphold the values, the principles of what God wants to do in our lives and what he's spoken and his truth. We are no longer simply people living among this world, but we are now new temples in which God's glory and holiness will spread to the ends of the earth. I pray that we just begin to understand this and really accept this and begin to chase after God and maintain his temple to the highest order. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for sending down your spirit. I thank you for giving us your only son. I thank you for allowing us to communicate with you and have a close connection with you, Lord, that the Israelites of the day 
when unable to have. When I'm so thankful I'm able to come to you with my problems and come to you as I am because Jesus paid it all. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done, all you continue to do. Lord, I pray that your temple can continue to be well furnished and you can share your temples and spread it to the ends of the earth. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sea Chat with Tristan. I hope you're able to receive what was spoken today and that God can continue to strengthen you in your journey. If you were touched by today's episode or believe it could benefit a friend, please share on any social platform. Don't be afraid to reach out to us regarding any questions at Tristan Guillaume on Instagram or email at TristanGuillaume16 at Yahoo.com. Hope to see you next time and have a blessed week.